This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Dunstan got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIM contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Night game day. Hope you're ready for it. I'm Cole Stukenholz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello. Kenny Larrabee is here as well, running the Facebook Live over at KLIN Huskers. If you want to see our smiling faces and our new quarter zips, thank you to my wife. Yes, thank you. These are sweet. Little uh, little little clock logo going on. Digging that right yeah. there. We'll be able to be able to rock these in the press box next week for Nebraska Northwestern. Another night game. Two night games in a row. What are we supposed to do with ourselves? Oh, good. So here's the thing. And when we heard from Frost earlier this week that he, he said as a player, he preferred the earlier games. Coaches prefer the earlier games. Night night games are for the fans. Um now granted things are a little bit different and everyone's like, oh yeah, they went all the way through high school and in high school they all played played night games on Fridays. Um Unless you have like a doubleheader at Seacrest and then you play a mid-afternoon game, blah, blah, blah. Or you play six-man or eight-man and you travel 300 miles to get to your game so you guys play at two in the afternoon. Whatever. Mostly you're playing Friday Night Lights. Man, that's so much different when you're in high school and you're going through and you have got an entire day's Like, you've got classes. You, you've got to take the bus over there. That's so much different than hanging out at the hotel. Yeah, all day. Um, so Frost said he's going to have to get the guys up. Um, they're going to move around a little bit, and they're going to they're going to take them through. Obviously, last minute prep stuff, but going to get some physical activity. Get the get the brain working. Get the the juices flowing. So we'll see how that goes because Nebraska doesn't get very many night games, guys. Like th- this isn't this isn't a every other week type of deal. And, but you are going to get back to back weeks of it. So. For next week, for the homecoming game, this is a nice little, nice little prep for that. And oh, this is what it feels like to go through a night game, especially for those guys who are first time starters. Yeah. Not not just their first year in the program, but first first year starters, um, and even guys that are uh, their second year in the program or third year in the program, because things were very different last year mm-hmm. um, with what you were able to do and where you were able to where you were able to be out and about. So, man, night night games. It, it's gonna it's gonna be different. Um, especially because this last week you had the 11 a.m. kickoff, so you're getting about as, almost the max amount of time between games. Um, yeah, short but, of playing on a Thursday or Friday. But you had, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Cole. And I, I, I talked about this on tailgate. My concern for this weekend is a big letdown is going and getting waxed because Nebraska has done this in the past where they have played under Frost. Against a pretty good team, even a top 10 team, we think Ohio State a couple years ago, and you thought, oh, that could be the turning point in the rest of the season because they played really well against a top team. But then there's just nothing clicks after that. Mm -hmm. That's the part where I'm feeling a little pessimistic is I need to see the click 
after you've gotten up for a really big game. I think it's there. Um, the talent is there. The offensive weapons are all over the place. Um, and we'll talk about who's available this week on the offensive side of the ball. But the, the defense is playing really well. They left a lot of um, impact out on, the, out on the field with missed tackles and missed interception opportunities. But this team is right there at being really, really good. Can they avoid a letdown in the week after playing that top 10 team? Yeah, I had a similar thought. It was more in the sense of Nebraska does this thing where they play up or down to the level of their opponents. And so they played down to Illinois' level, and they got beat. They played up to Oklahoma's level, and they dang near won. I, I You haven't seen this team blown out a lot under Scott Frost. You've seen a couple of Ohio State blowouts, and then they almost beat them in, mm-hmm. in year one. <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, they've been right there with Iowa, one score every single year. Um, they've blown out a few teams on the other side, the Maryland game, uh, Minnesota in 2018. So they've had those instances, but they've been few and far between. So back-to-back games against really good competition, it, it, it could go either way. I mean, this this team is very emotionally fragile still, I think. Mm-hmm. like. They didn't have the catastrophic uh, mistake last week, and that's why they stayed in that Oklahoma game. They had a little mistake here and there, and that was just enough to keep them from winning, but they didn't have the really bad one that just killed them, and then they lost all momentum and all sense of being, being able to win, and then that was it. I would say they they overcame one a, a they little bit. They overcame some here and there. That yeah. Well, not just here and there, that opening drive. You have four penalties. You start out with right. back-to-back false starts. Think about what we were talking about uh, last year, I guess any year under Frost. If you get one penalty on a drive, let alone on the two penalties to start the drive, if you got one penalty that got you off script, it killed the entire drive. negative play. Yeah, just anything that happened to move you backwards. So that's progress. It killed the entire. Yeah. They did that four times on a drive and came away with points. Yep. That's so that's progress, right? So that's that's good. What what I think I what I think I see from this year's team is that you're not going to be as impervious to that type of thing, or you're not going to be as exposed to that type of thing. You're you're you you have a little bit more resilience with this squad. Maybe that's Taylor. Or, oh my goodness. Maybe that's Adrian Martinez. Thanks, ESPN. And and his you know being a four year starter and his being in a better place mentally and his just needing to take control of this offense because there have been struggles on the line. There's been different guys in and out of every single skill position across running backs, receivers, tight ends. Maybe you won't see a letdown because of that. Michigan State's offense is also one that is not conducive to blowing teams out. Right. Uh, because they, they just they, they're just a power run game. Uh, and then they'll play play action off of that. And so I don't know that this one sets up for a blood. I think it's going to be more low low scoring than anything else, but that is something to watch as to whether or not Nebraska is just emotionally let down after getting up and playing very, very well with a top-five team on the road and now having to go on the road again in a night game environment where – I don't know how Nebraska fans are going to do it. I mean, how are they going to get more than 2,500 people in that stadium? Oh, you mean with those $30 tickets? <laughs> I don't know. It's 
It's going to be tough. They don't, they don't have a history of doing this either. They, they, no, it and never happens. So. I. So on the one hand, absolutely, Michigan State, you understand what's at stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel Tucker understands what's at stake. Uh, and the fact that Nebraska can travel well, fans are feeling really good. I mean, not as amazing as had that game gone in a different direction a week ago. Yeah. Um, man, there'd be a fervor. This week had had that gone differently, or if that game goes exactly the same, but the Illinois game is a win and not a loss, right? Yeah, that, then that Oklahoma game is treated completely. Yeah, if you turn those around a little bit, yeah. um, but they understand in East Lansing what the opportunity is for them as a program, undefeated, trying to turn things around, and they dipped into the transfer portal at the exact right time when everything allowed guys to come through and play immediately, and it's working out for them, um, which is a very different rebuild than what Scott Frost has had to go through over four years. Um, But they also get that Nebraska fans can ruin that a little bit because they only do this one time a year. They only stripe it one time a year, and they're choosing to do it for Nebraska to keep that momentum going forward because they don't know where their program's going to be in a month, two months, what things are going to be like in mid-November if you get a game, and are you still ranked, or have you fallen off a little bit? So take advantage early. Get that stripe game in where it's going to go green-white, green-white all the way around. There's going to be a significant amount of red. Like let, Let's face it. Nebraska just played really well with the number 3 team in the country. There's going to be a significant amount of red. Mel Tucker can, can say, I don't think there's going to be more than the 2,500 Husker bodies there. Challenge accepted, buddy. Right. It, that, that's one of the things. If you want to guarantee you have a sellout, challenge Husker fans to not show up for your game. <laughs> that, that's, that's one way to do it. I do expect there to be significant amounts of red in the stadium. I don't know. It's not going to be like Colorado. It's not going to be like it's it not, was in it, Boulder. That um, game was un- anticipated for a lot longer, too, and, and folks have made that drive, and they have friends closer in, in, in Colorado than they do in Michigan, I'm sure. Well, and there, there's also, let's face it, there's more apathy in Boulder. Like, the, the program is not, not in a place right. to, for, for the fans to get out there. Now, They've in, not had recent, exp- recent success like they have under D'Antonio and East Lansing. Right. So, in, and for Michigan State, earlier in the year, they had a non-conference game that I don't know if it was 50% full. Mm. Um, but that's also the anticipation of, well, that in East Lansing, they are a fickle bunch. They, 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 they are. And, and they can be, even if you're having success, think about the, what, the 2014 game, the last time Nebraska went out there. Mm. Michigan State had a healthy lead going into uh, the fourth quarter, and fans started leaving. Well, fans started leaving at halftime. Um, so they just went, oh, well, this is going to be a win, and they got out of there. They haven't learned you got to stay to the end. And that was a pretty good stretch for Michigan State that they were in the middle of. So the Michigan they playoff the following year. Yeah, so the Michigan State fan, they won uh, two Big Ten titles in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan State fans are really fickle. But they've got three wins under their belt right now, and they know Nebraska just took – number three Oklahoma down to the final minute to where Oklahoma had work to do with 60 seconds to go in the game. There weren't a lot of folks expecting that, but that's what happened. And that's the type of talent Nebraska has shown. And that's, I think that game was also schemed really well. We can talk about that game in our next segment, but Mm. Michigan state fans are in a place that that stadium is ripe for plenty of red to be there tonight. Oh, yeah. And I expect there to be plenty of red. 
but they're also so <laughs> up and down that I think they're riding the up right now that I it's definitely not going to be anywhere close to when Nebraska went to Boulder. Right. And the fact that this game is it, it comes when it does for Michigan State in that they they've already got a Big 10 win uh against Northwestern. They just came off of a big win over another Power 5 team and a big name mm-hmm. in Miami. And Can we talk about that for a second? Kind of, they're kind of feeling themselves a little bit. They 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 have a very high opinion of themselves right now. And Nebraska is if you if you use the you want to use the wounded animal analogy, like they they they're backed into a corner. Mm-hmm. They they need to get out and this is their way out if they if they can have a, a good game here and win this one against Michigan State. So I, I made this comparison. The the Illinois loss. It looks worse after each week watching Illinois not get better. You just can't wash that stink off. Right. So had had things gone differently, had Illinois won a couple of those games over the last three weeks, you're like, you know what? It's still not a good loss. But at least they're not terrible. Right now it's like, that's a bad loss. That's a bad football team. How in the world were they even in that game, let alone have a chance to beat you? Michigan State-Miami. It looks like a good win right now because it was a ranked Miami team early in the year at their place. Mm. In a month, how good does that win look? That's what I'm curious about. Um, does does Miami continue to not look very good? Because even with being ranked, they haven't looked great. Could be fool's uh, gold. Yeah, so that, that that's always my concern with getting ranked wins, even if it's on the road early in the season, is does that team continue to look good? Because it's a good win for Michigan State right now mm. on September 25th. On October 25th, is that still a good win? Um, or is it just another win that Michigan State happened to have against a subpar team? That's where I'm always curious. Right now it's a good win. And right now it's a really bad loss to Illinois. Man, it'd be weird if Illinois started to knock off some good teams. Just had some weird things happen. You know know how it goes. There's always like a bad team like pushes Ohio State down to the wire. It's like you should not have been in that game. Yeah. Or or Illinois just by the way Iowa plays, they're going to get Iowa into some sixteen thirteen game. There's going to be some stupid stuff. But man, we got to see that Illinois team get into some stupid stuff type of games. Otherwise, this just remains a catastrophic loss on the season. I mean, it may be either way. It may be the difference between six and six and five and seven. To be honest, uh, don't let's not do that right now. Well, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do that right now. I'm we just, got eight games to go. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. It's just. Man, it hurts. It hurts. All right. More to come. Uh, No guests this morning. It's just you and me and Caleb right here all morning until 10 o'clock. And then the rest of your day. That's what we got going on. Yeah, you can hang out on KLIN. We got a lot for you. Run it down. Got some best of. Got some one shot, one life in the uh, 11 o'clock hour. You got your grow Lincoln. Then you hit a little bit of that afternoon programming and boom, two o'clock pregame. That's it. You got it right here all day. 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, KLIN. More to come. We're going to dip into the Oklahoma game, talk about what the offensive line is going to do differently today, look at those skill positions, and what does the defense do against this run game as well? That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN.
Huskers 2-2 two and two on the year. Looking for a Big Ten win on the road at night. Tonight in East Lansing. As we talked about, there's probably not enough Visine in East Lansing to keep the red out. <laughs> we'll see how much red uh, goose up their uh, their green and white stripe thingy that they're going to try to do with the Suns. I, and before we look at uh, before we look at the Oklahoma game, because everyone's heard my thoughts on Oklahoma, and I want to hear yours on the entirety of the game. But striping the stadium, mm-hmm. um, therefore for Michigan Spartan Stadium, I think that's very cool. Like I love when stadiums do that. I love when Penn State does the whiteout. Yeah. Um, or when teams do because a lot of places do the they'll do the striping. Or they'll do a blackout. I think Iowa State has done done blackout type of stuff to go with their black jerseys that they stole from Iowa or however that storyline is supposed to go. Matt Campbell's a big Johnny Cat guy. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. Yeah. Now, my thing is Nebraska doesn't do that. Now, they ask you to wear red. Mm. Like think, think back to the wear red, be loud, beat Texas. Oh, boy. That was super fun. Uh, but <laughs> what you see from these places is that there's like there's athletic department buy-in to it as well. Yeah. There's a little bit behind it. I want to see Nebraska do have the sea of red, but it's not speckled. Like like there's always a sea of red and it's beautiful, but inevitably there's a bunch of people wearing some white shirts, some black, and it's enough that it's speckled across there. What don't you see when you see Penn State's white out? Anything other than white. Yeah. Where I I want to see the athletic department buy in and the fan buy in. If there is a call for a specific game, maybe Northwestern because it's a night game, for a, you, you read it out entirely. Does the athletic department supply some shirts Absolutely to everyone sure. everyone coming in? And I love the sea of red, but at some point down the line, do a blackout. There have been so many attempts to do blackouts I, I, I know. over the years. But, but, the, but the part of that is... But it's never, it's never been explicitly and, and very loudly promoted by the athletic department. That's the, that's the one thing that they could do. No, you can do it in the, you can do it in the student section pretty easy. Right, but then it's just have. But then, then it's just the student section. Yeah. Blah. Because they're put... That's a different conversation, where the student section is in the stadium. <laughs> oh, you guys are fine over here. Get in the corner. Do they impact the game a whole lot? Oklahoma student section? Right over your visiting team. Awesome. Yeah. Different conversation. Competitive advantage. So what do you what I want to see is the athletic department buy-in and the fan buy-in to where there are the resources from the athletic department of their shirts on your way in. There's the palms like you get at Penn State for their white out. Yeah. For a red out and then at some point a blackout. Because to see that place look entirely different would be insane. To walk in there and it's like, oh, the sea of red. Oh, this place is just it's blacked out. That would look awesome. Needs to be a night game too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's got you got to do it for a night game. Yes. So those are the things that that I want to see at some point. No, you don't do it every game. No, the sea of red is not broken. But can it be improved at some point? Instead of just, well, I've been wearing this same shirt uh, since uh, 1978. Dude, good for you. Or or everyone's wearing that starter jacket that's. Red and it's got a, a white and a black stripes across it. Fantastic, cool. I want to see something that just looks solid across the entire stadium, and then whatever little visiting section is got up there. Don't care. I love that other schools do this. Nebraska just expects the fans to wear enough red. 
And I mean, it looks red. Oh, it, it does. It, it looks, looks very red. Yeah, it looks red. There's nothing broken about it. You can still be go in and say, that is a fantastic sea of red. But can it be redder? Can it be better? I think it can. Redder and better. Yes. By anyway. Caleb Henry. Oklahoma. Yeah. So. Yo, so, so as I was watching the game, and I went and watched it with a friend. So that's the first game I've watched. Um, with a friend this year, outside of sitting by you at Memorial Stadium, Aww. we're friends. There you go, uh, big big friendship guys here. Um, <laughs> the uh, your official show of friends, friendship, the KLI and Husker Hour, and specialist, kickoff and, and, and kickoff specialist. Man, Frankie's awesome. Um, so went and watched it with a friend, and and he's an Ohio State fan, first of all, but he loves Nebraska. Grew up in Nebraska. Just he grew up as an Ohio State fan. That's fine. Whatever. His team had some troubles until the fourth quarter. That was funny to watch with him. Mm. Um, but as we're watching, I kept telling him, are you emotionally invested? I kept, because there would be stuff happening. It's like, man, Nebraska's getting behind, but then, oh, there's a touchdown. Ooh, touchdown, and now there's the extra point is blocked and run back. Are you emotionally invested? And then they find a way to rip it out of you over and over. And then a fourth quarter touchdown, and you get the extra point, and it's, guys, it's within a touchdown. And, oh, my God, that guy messed up the kickoff, and now they're deep in their own territory. What is going to happen here? Nebraska just needs to get a stop and get the ball back. So I kept asking him, are you emotionally invested knowing what's probably going to happen? Because that's what we've come to be used to as Husker fans. But even while I was asking that, I was going, I'm in mo- I'm emotionally invested. I, I'm feeling like this is a thing that can happen. And I was not intending to have, like I was not expecting to have that feeling past the first quarter. And we had it up until there was a minute left. What was your viewing experience of the game last week? So I was at home, just hanging out at the house, kids around, and watching mostly in the, 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 on the main floor, went to the basement close to the end. And it was, I, I would say that I kind of shared the sense of, of inevitability that you just described there. Like, look, Nebraska is close, but I don't, I don't believe it until I see it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get bought into this team until they show me something. And and look, it's not to say that they didn't show people something last week, um, especially with involving Travis Vokalek for the first time, Xavier Betts with a big bomb down the field that Martinez threw about 50 yards in the air, <laughs> Omar Manning with the full extension in the end zone for a touchdown like, on a strike, like. All of those guys have done next to nothing this season. Vokalek literally hadn't played before the Oklahoma <laughs> game. And so that's reason for optimism. Luke Reimer dang near had a pick in the first quarter. Uh, the defense played pretty well. They held Spencer Rattler and that Oklahoma offense down even after that first drive where they were just running the ball so efficiently and, and like so effortlessly. And I was just... At that point, I thought, okay, it's only a matter of time before this thing gets out of hand the way they were just handling Nebraska's defense. But, hey, credit to the Blackshirts. They made the adjustment. They stopped them pretty much the rest of the game, save for a few drives. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that, was, that was a nice performance. The lowest scoring output for Oklahoma since 2016, I believe it right. was. And they only got to 408 total yards. Nebraska almost kept their 400 yards or less streak going mm-hmm. <laughs> against one of the more explosive offenses of the last decade. Yes. So where, where, where I kind of come down on it is 
Maybe Oklahoma's not as good as everybody thought they are. I don't know. I, I, I tend to go away from that argument because maybe Nebraska just put together a really good game plan. Like mm-hmm. those answers, those questions will be answered as we go. I'm not going to tear down Oklahoma. I'm going to bring Nebraska up. Okay. The game plan was solid. Nebraska took their shots. They don't have much of a run game with the running backs. And even though they did for a, a hot minute with Gabe Irvin, then he got hurt and he was out. Ramir Johnson played pretty well in spots, but they just don't have the guys up front this year. Maybe with another year of experience in the weight room and whatnot, these same guys can do better next year because they're all young. Uh, they're not that young. They're not. Okay, Cam Jurgens is a fourth-year player listed as a redshirt junior, and he's the oldest He's listed guy as a redshirt there. sophomore. He's listed as a redshirt sophomore? Yeah. Because redshirt is this his third freshman year, year COVID it, year? Oh, okay. Now, so it is his fourth year, and he's a redshirt sophomore. Sichterman's a fifth year. He's a fifth year redshirt junior. junior, is what he's listed as. Yeah, Sichterman's technically older than Jurgen. So right? you only have one guy on the line that's only in his second year, and that's Turner Corcoran. Right. Everyone else is at least in their third year. Eligibility. I feel like I'm going to argue with everybody on this for the rest of the year, but every time we talk about the Don't offensive line being... talk about the year. Talk about the years in the program. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fair. Now, granted, they don't have a lot of starting experience. I will absolutely get with people on that. And youth on the offensive line is different relative to other positions, yes. too. Because if you don't have any guys who have been there and been entrenched as a two- or three-year starter, Jurgen's the only one of those, then, then that's where you... That's where you struggle, is mm-hmm. if you don't have a mix of, hey, these two guys have been here for a while, they're helping the other guys along. Mm-hmm. You only have Jurgens who has two full years of starting experience in his rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. So The narrative I go with is they're inexperienced, they're not young. Fair. Yeah, that's good. And, and so, I don't know that that gets fixed this season. Yeah. I agree. Maybe the running backs do a little bit more to help them out. They're, they get better at reading where the holes are. Um, maybe you scheme it up a little bit differently. Maybe you do some more pulling. Maybe you get the the receivers involved more in the jet sweep game to get the running game going. Uh, if you ask me, I think one of the biggest things that you could do to help that run game is get dudes out of the box by throwing up top to Xavier Betsmore. Mm-hmm. Throw up top to Samari Toure going those deep crossers. Get Vokalek and Allen involved up the seam. Go over the top on these folks and get them out of the box. That's how you help your run game with the running backs. Martinez is going to be able to do his thing. And 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 even if the play's breaking down, he is like, he's, I don't know what it is about him this year, but he looks like Neo slowing time down <laughs> when those guys are, are collapsing the pocket. He's just very calmly and coolly stepping out and finding a finding a guy downfield or taking off and running like he is. I I, I think I said this on Twitter on, on the, during the game against Oklahoma. He's in total control when he at has all, the ball in his hands at all times. It's it's it. You love to see it. No, there there was a, a point. Throw the ball away. Don't take the sack. Yeah, there's still going to be some of those things happen. You haven't but, seen it as much as you did in the Illinois. The Illinois game, I must have screamed that at the TV mm-hmm. about 15 times. But he's not being a back-breaking decision-maker right? The at only, this point. The only bad, like terrible play so far this year is the Illinois fumble at the end mm-hmm. of the first half. That's it. Otherwise, he's been very good. Very good. So the, the offense did enough. The defense did enough. 
the special teams. We 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 can get into the field. <laughs> it's just that and and the the block on on the extra point. That's not Kellen Meyer's fault. That's Ethan Piper's fault. We can get into that if we want to. Defensively, this team's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even without having Casey Rogers out there yet, and and maybe he gets a chance to play today. Uh, you haven't had Will Honus, but I think that you feel pretty good about Reimer and Henrich and mm-hmm. and Kalarvik's mixed in there a little bit as well. The the defense is in a pretty good spot. If Cam Taylor Britt gets back to just doing the 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 fundamental stuff and he stops trying to to make the highlight real play, whether that's on corner or special teams, mm-hmm. I think the defense gets even better because he's missed a few he's missed a few plays defensively too because he's trying to 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 make a highlight reel. And so, Frost said he thinks Cam's trying to just do too much, yes. put, put too much on himself. Yes. When he just plays, he's good. And hopefully he gets to where, mindset-wise, he's just going to go out and play. Yeah. So so my, my, biggest, my biggest takeaways from the Oklahoma game are Nebraska played up to the level of their opponent. Nebraska's coaches had a pretty good scheme. They knew what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They executed it pretty well. And offensively and defensively, they made enough plays to win that game. Special teams let them down. I don't know that you can expect both of the 50-plus yarders from Connor Culp to go through, but he made one of them, mm-hmm. and the other one I think was the one that clanked off the side of the Just upright. Just missed, yeah. And then the other one he missed was, what, 37 yards, mm-hmm. 38 yards? That one you need to make. Right. And obviously you can't have what happened on the extra point happen on an extra point. So they got to fix that stuff. And if you fix special teams, at least get them to a point where you aren't missing 40 less, forty yard or less field goals and your extra points aren't liabilities and you aren't doing just playground stuff on punt returns <laughs> and you stop returning kickoffs like ever, Yeah. Uh. <laughs> then, then you are going to avoid more of those little mistakes that added up to a loss last week. And you can get wins on this schedule. You're going to be in every single game, maybe even against Ohio State, because they have played down to the level of their opponent a couple of times this year as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- th- those are my biggest takeaways. Like you played with a top five team on the road, and your offense and defense made enough plays and avoided the catastrophic mistakes that gave you a chance to win. You did enough to win that football game. And if you fix special teams. There's no reason why they can't get to seven wins in this in this schedule. I don't think you get to eight because I just think there's way too much inconsistency to try to fix <laughs> at this point. Yeah, but you can get to seven. There's no excuse to get to not get to six. Right. The the, the however you get there, you can play around with how the schedule <laughs> looks, but there's no excuse to not get there based on what I've seen from this offense and this defense, and knowing what Culp is capable of, and as long as you just fix the boneheaded mm-hmm. stuff otherwise on special teams. And that starts with to, with tonight. Let's go ahead and take our break. Let, we, I want to look at the Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. So obviously, that's coming up tonight. Yep. I want to talk personnel. Yeah. Not just players, but how they're lined up as well. And then we got to touch on uh, Nebraska volleyball. They're into their yep. Big Ten season, and they sat Lexi Sun to start their match against Northwestern. We'll dive into that as well. What's John Cook learning how the other half lives? Getting second guest out here. 
Yeah, I feel bad about it. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> Dude's got national championship trophies falling off his shelves, and he's he's getting his personnel decisions questioned. I'm sure my grandma's wondering why the hell Lexi's son is. Well, we're going to talk about it. Uh, that Michigan yes. State football personnel coming up. KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. Had a good show so far, half of it behind us. If you missed any of our show or any of our shows from past weeks, head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. And you can go to Facebook right now and watch us live. And uh, you can see the archive shows from previous weeks as well. All right. And you can see some pretty sweet gear. Yeah. That Mrs. Cole hooked us up with. That's right. Mrs. Cole. Mrs. I'm gonna, Cole. I'm call her that when I get home. <laughs> I don't know if that's um, going to go over well. So, personnel. Number one, player availability. Yeah. Like, let, let, let's start out with that one. Vocalek comes out against Oklahoma. Fantastic, love seeing that. Um, and we'll talk. I want to talk uh, about him and the tight ends after after this. But wide receivers, you get all of those weapons out there, minus Oliver Martin. Right, he's a maybe to go today. I would put him more in the doubtful than probable. Mm-hmm. So you're still missing a weapon there who can help on some of your special team stuff as well. Played one game, hundred yards over. Yeah, played one game, looked really good. Um, he looks pretty good last year too. Yeah. Uh, able to come in and just pick stuff Especially up right late away. Late in the year, he came. Um, now the running back situation. Gabe Irvin had surgery. He's done for the year. Uh, non-contact uh, patellar um, tendon injury to his knee, and yeah. man, that that just stinks for a guy that was looking really good, and he looked like the guy who was going to take over that role and be the lead back. He's going to get a red shirt out of it. He'll be back, uh, I believe it's about six months for recovery from everything I was able to research. So hopefully back for next year, probably going to miss most of the spring, and they probably won't roll him out for it, really any of the spring other than some rehab stuff. Yeah. Cool. Who do you have now? Marquis Stepp, Ramir Johnson, Jack Yant, Marvin Scott, Savion Morrison. Who is going to take that role? The biggest thing that's missing now with Gabe Irvin out is who's going to pass block mm-hmm. back there? Because that was actually that was more than any of the running. That's how Gabe Irvin was getting snaps. Yeah, because he could go out there and he could block. Man, he put he put a really good block on a blitzing uh, Buffalo guy uh, two weeks ago. It's fantastic the way he picked that up for an eighteen year old. Awesome. But who's going to go pick up that role? Is it Ramir Johnson who looked uh, who looked sneaky good getting back to his former self? On uh, Saturday in Norman, Marquis Stepp didn't have a carry, didn't see the field against Oklahoma. Yeah, what what is is he going to go take some stuff? So that running back room has got a lot of stuff to figure out. <laughs> and I mean, I think Marquis Stepp's going to get it going forward. Who who do you think at running back's going to going to be? I guess the guy if they ever do get to where they have a true lead back. Got a real hot take about the running backs. You got you ready? I have no freaking clue. <laughs> okay, good. That, that's, that's like the rest of us. Where even even with me saying step, it's a little bit of a stretch because he literally didn't play last game. Yes. What the heck? Right, and that that's the part where so against Oklahoma, my biggest thing was Oklahoma's defense was giving up something that none of the other three previous opponents were, and that was runs between the tackles. 
Nebraska could run between the tackles against Oklahoma, could not run outside of it because Oklahoma had the speed. Right. And Nebraska wanted to continuously try to run outside of the tackles, and it really wasn't working. You had to find different ways to get guys in space if you wanted to go outside. Um, and it worked on a few of them. R- Ramirez Johnson got one down the sideline, and then Cam Jurgens blows up a guy 40 yards down the field. Whatever. <laughs> um, but you you look at what this offense is able to do, and running between the tackles was not an expectation I had going into that game. Mm-hmm. They didn't continue to go with it, and I thought if you did and you brought in Marquise Step, he's a between-the-tackles bowling ball. Mm. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, It's game by game. I think Michigan State, who's giving up only, only what, uh, three yards a carry, four yards a carry? It's not a lot. Right in there. Yeah. Um, it's very little that Michigan State is giving up. They're one of the better run defenses. Um, actually, a better run defense than Nebraska, I believe. Yeah. And... That's a place Nebraska can find some success. Michigan State secondary is not very good, so the N- Nebraska is probably going to look more air raidy tonight than most Nebraska fans would like. It looks good if you're winning. If you're not winning, it looks like Sean Callahan. Or not, why do I keep saying Sean Callahan every time I talk about that? One's worse than my Taylor Adrian. Man, that I, that's two times <laughs> I've done that this week. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Sean. You are a much better coach than that. My my bad. Um, Billy C. Got that. Okay. Um, now, the other personnel thing <laughs> I want to talk about. We brought out 14 personnel. Did you, when Prohaska came out? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, that, I'm glad you brought him up. Because so, he came out in that 46 jersey, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. You had four tight ends. And one running back. That's your 14 personnel. Oh, yeah. That's how that works. I loved when Nebraska was in 12 personnel. And that's the biggest thing about Vokalek being back. Mm-hmm. Is that not only can he go catch the ball, and we know Austin Allen can catch the ball, they're a couple of the better run blockers. And I think that's why Nebraska has run so much better on the edge, is that you have the tight ends there, and you have a pulling Cam Jurgens. That's why Nebraska's looked better outside of the tackles than inside the tackles. So, on the personnel side of it, I want to see a lot of 12 personnel because you can do so many different things with those guys. Mm-hmm. We know this team loves to, to play action pass. Even when you've got 80 yards to go and no timeouts and 50 seconds left, let's play action pass. I'm sure we got them. Um, but get the tight ends on the field. They've been underutilized for 20-plus years, and everything looks better when Austin Allen makes a catch going up the seam. And then Vokalex got one on the sideline. And it opens everything else up. I, the over-the-top stuff, it's got to be there with Omar Manning and finding Toure in space and Xavier Betts down the field. But you got to have that and the tight ends. And then I think that overall opens up your running game. Especially with having those tight ends on the field, whether it's 12 personnel or 13 or 14, depending on the situation. Get real big with it. Mm. I love seeing the tight ends on the field because it makes the offense better. It makes you wonder what that Illinois game would have looked like had Vokalek been healthy. Oh, for sure. Because that helps the run game. That could have helped the pass game. He, you get him loose down the field. It, it, it's just one of those what-ifs about this season and and maybe, you know, what depending on the result of this season, maybe... If Fedoni didn't get hurt in the spring. Oh, yeah. So... No, the, you're right. Like having the tight ends on the field is is a benefit to all of the offense, the run game, the pass game, the the blocking schemes that you can do, all of it. 
Uh, and, and hopefully Vokalek has is, is put his injuries behind him and he's just going to be good to go the rest of the season. The way that I think you can beat this Michigan State defense is kind of what I talked about earlier, is if you want to improve this running back run game, your handoff run game, and, and not just have Adrian Martinez solely responsible for rushing yards on the team <laughs> in any given game, you have to get the box lightened up. You have to challenge guys over the top. You have to make them honor it. And maybe they will just based on the tape they saw against Oklahoma because you went over the top to Xavier Betts and Vokalek and Omar Manning for a touchdown. Like You've, you've seen it with Samari Toure, a couple 68 yarders against Buffalo. There are guys capable of doing it. Adrian Martinez is in total control of this offense, and he can deliver it on time with accuracy. I love that you can say a couple 68-yarders to two, Ray, because it was identical Literally two 68-yard <laughs> touchdowns, and he did nothing else. Just, instead of like, oh, I got a couple 7-yard runs, a couple 68-yard <laughs> receptions. Just a couple. Just, <laughs> just two receptions for Samari Toure today. Pretty disappointing. I don't know. 136 oh, yards. I'm sorry. They were both 68-yard touchdowns? Okay. <laughs> No, like you, you, you have the stuff on tape that will keep Michigan State's defense honest. Mm-hmm. They are going to still be aggressive in stopping the run game. So, will you challenge that secondary early, or are you going to try to commit to the run early? That's that's the thing I'm watching for in Nebraska's first two drives. What does that early game script look like for that offense? Because that's going to tell you how Nebraska feels in terms of their confidence on offense after that Oklahoma game, uh, and then it will then tell you what they feel like Michigan State can or can't stop. Um, all of that, I think, is going to kind of feed into itself, and, and maybe maybe you'll see the direction of the game within those first two drives, at least on Nebraska's offensive side. Now, defensively, they're going to have a heck of a time trying to stop Kenneth Walker because he's going for like eight yards per carry. Uh, yeah, this is transfers doing what you want transfers to do. Yeah, that's that's like Samari Toure level transfer portal work right there. But running the ball. But running the ball. Yeah. Well, Samari Toure's got rushing touchdowns this year. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. All right, more to come. Volleyball next. And uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to point something out about the Oklahoma game last week that I have not touched on yet. Uh, and, and it's, I don't know, maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. We'll see. That's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Away from the football field, Husker Hoops has opening night coming up this week. Yes. Nebraska ball. Uh, you're Bryce gonna have, McGowan's. You're going to have the uh, MC. Is, is, what, did I see that right? John gonna, Rothstein. John yeah. Rothstein, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to get weird. Um, I, like, got, I liked the, uh, I think it was Husker Hoop Central put out the, hey, if there's a, a transfer mid, mid-game but from the red to the white, he'll, have the, he'll tweet about it. <laughs> well, I'm surprised right now he, he's not sending out um, five day, or six days until opening night. And then then five days till opening night. Then four days, and then it spreads. And then three hours until opening night. Too like yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that should be really really fun. It's Friday at seven thirty. Friday seven thirty. G Herbo's gonna be there. Who I had never heard of, but I'm not guys. I'm not the demographic they're targeting here. We're too old, man. And I'm fine with that. And that has been a struggle to explain to people that. We're not the demo they're going after right. with this. It's the current players, the current students, 
and the prospective students and the prospective student athletes. Yes, who are the targets for Fred Hoiberg? Yeah, fantastic. I I completely get that. Cool. Should be a a great event. We're going to see both the men's and women's basketball teams. We're going to see the men's basketball team scrimmage. Man, the the stuff that gets put out there on social media, the videos is fantastic to see. I can't wait to see it with my own eyes there in person. Bryce um, McGowan's is being projected as a lottery pick already. Hasn't even played a game <laughs> in a Husker uniform. I mean, you've this, got that hype, to go hype's with. going. Um, you've got uh, Kisi Tomonaga who cannot miss the Japanese Steph Curry. Trevor Lakes was apparently hurt last. He was hurt last year. Yeah, hurt his labrum. Um, and so he's back, and he's should be able to come in and light it up situationally. Um. And then you go through and you're like, oh, wait, there's a bunch of high-profile dudes all over the place. Um, did just lose uh, Delano Banton to the NBA, yep. but he's got that contract with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wait a minute, this guy that you thought, I don't know if we really want him handling the ball, has an NBA contract. He was like, running things in like, Summer League. Too. He was good. I loved Delano Banton, mm-hmm. and I would have loved him even more this next year being able to play off. Like, he's so good with the ball. But being able to just play off the ball, just just go fill up the stat sheet and do all of the things that you should do as a 6'9 guard. Last, last thing before we get to volleyball, uh, Derek Walker leading this team, uh, and and I think he's going to be instrumental to the development of guys like Wilhelm Bredenbach, mm, Oleg, yes. Oleg Koyanets, uh, and then continuing to develop Eduardo Andre. Those, those big guys aren't going to get as much run as all the athletes and the three-point shooters and, and the McGowanses, but they're hugely important, especially in the Big Ten, where uh, it's, it's, it's rugged down low. Yeah, very much in the Big Ten. So you've got, uh, and that'll be opening night. That's just a, a couple hours after the start of Nebraska-Michigan uh, volleyball. But tonight, you've got Husker Volleyball hosting tonight, this afternoon. Everything's tonight when you do a morning show. It is. Um, this afternoon at 2 over on B1073, you're going to get some Husker Volleyball hosting Iowa, Nebraska, beat Northwestern in four sets earlier this week. Into the conference season, it snapped a three-game skid and had not had that three-game regular season non-conference skid since 1991. Um, it, was fun wow. to, it was fun to tell. Were uh, you alive in 1991, So here's the, the thing. I told Lincoln Arneal at the uh, presser on Monday, I said, hey, when that skid happened, I was about to have my first birthday. <laughs> so that's how long it's been, folks. Not that I'm this, uh. this itty-bitty baby. I am 30 years old. So you've got that to run with, that it has happened once in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what a volleyball was. I didn't know what sports were. Um, So it's something that hasn't really happened, but this is also a situation that John Cook hasn't really been in. With having that that top class, so much talent, Mm. and you've got all of this other talent that's there too. That freshman class doesn't just come in like they did at at Stanford, and they immediately take over. Mm. This class is going to be really good for a few years, but you still have the Lexi Suns out there. You still have the Maddie Kubiks. Um, You've got your middles um, that are upperclassmen in Schwarzenbach and Kayla Caffey, and they, man, they're looking good. Um, you've got a setter who's not going to give up that job in Nicklin Hames. You've got all this talent. It's been finding that lineup. Lexi Sun sat the first three sets against Northwestern and then came in and was absolutely the spark that took Nebraska over the top yeah. when things were starting to fade a little bit. I think she's going to be used more in that leadership role throughout much of the conference season. But I I don't think it's going out on a limb to say when they play Penn State, Lexi's not starting. Like she's going to be out there. I would think um, so. I, I think this is there's less tweaking of the lineup, but Lexi's son is established enough that John Cook can bring along some of those freshmen outsides, 
and Lexi's son can still kind of be there and then go in if she has to. It's a lot better if you've got that rhythm from playing three sets and you're going into the fourth set, but also who else gets to bring in a fresh All-American in the fourth set and just finish off a match? <laughs> she didn't have any kills. Um, I don't. She, she was just so defensive and all over the place and so fresh. John Cook's the guy, guys. Like, like let's... We're we're going to kind of question what he's doing. He has earned the benefit of the doubt. Oh yeah, and could sit everyone and be like, "Oh, we're gonna play with a a dog, a monkey, and a Jalen Reyes. Get out there." And I'd be like, "You know what? I think it'll work. I I think this Cook guy's onto something. Like that monkey's get, potential. Yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt here. Let's get into this conference season, see how things go, because everything was built on getting the the young personnel experience." into the conference. I'm excited to see where things go. My expectations are not any lower for this team going forward. Look, as as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I can relate <laughs> to not having uh, a lot of experience with early season struggles. The first September loss of Patrick Mahomes' career just comes last week, but I'm going to give the benefit <laughs> of the doubt to one of the best coaches ever in Andy Reid and the best quarterback of all time in Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're going to be okay come postseason time. Reading your tweets as long was as, so sad. As long as they don't lose like all of their offensive linemen again right? in January. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's coming up, uh, what time? 2 o'clock today, 1.30 pregame on B1073. They'll have that. 2 o'clock is also your pregame for uh, Nebraska-Michigan State here on KLIN. Very good. So you got that. Volleyball coming in with some action today and uh, obviously Husker football and Husker hoops. We're getting into some good stuff here. Baseball played against uh, what Creighton? Creighton. The 12 inning thing. Yeah. Beat them like 13, 11 or something. Yeah. That was nice to see. Will Bolts folks getting back out there. Some new, new blood mixed in mm-hmm. figuring out that new outfield. Uh, we've got a lot going on. It's uh, it's a great time to be a Husker fan uh, and it's a great time to be listening to this show. Our final thoughts coming up right after this here, getting you ready for Michigan state, Nebraska tonight here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Current and former Huskers, and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. So tell me if I'm out of line here, Caleb. You're out of line. Okay, Oh, wait, on. wait, yeah, just go ahead and say your thing All first. right, yeah, yeah, all right. So thinking about... The, the the Oklahoma game result and how, you know, you don't want to talk about moral victories, but I think everybody still feel to, felt a little bit better, maybe a little bit of progress made mm-hmm. in terms of confidence of the team and, and the direction of the program. Are the two most memorable performances of the Scott Frost era? <laughs> don't even Both losses? Yes. Yes, they are. 2018 Ohio State, Nebraska is still... No, they they had won the Bethune Cookman and Minnesota games, mm-hmm. and that was the uh, ninth game of the season. And they they come within a score. That was the weird year where they were struggling in, in Urban Meyer's last season, and and I don't remember if they made the playoff or not. Well, but they were a top five team or top ten team that year. And Nebraska just about oh, beat them. Ohio State was number eight, and and that, eighth, that, eighth that, and, okay. and that, that's the one that I look to yeah. as the you go play with someone, but then you don't really do anything after that. They had a, I mean, last the end of la, that 2018 season, they were playing pretty well. Well, you can play. They started 0 and 6, and they finished four. They won four of the last six games. The two losses coming to Ohio State and Iowa, and they beat the brakes off Minnesota. Yeah. So I mean, 
Yeah. So you have the Ohio State game in 2018 and the Oklahoma game just last week. The only other games that I could come up with that were maybe like more memorable performances was that Minnesota game. That was the first Power Five or uh, not Power Five, the first FBS win for Scott Frost here. Yeah. That was 20, that was 53 to 28. PJ Fleck doing his thing in Nebraska. Fans were not sure if that was going to go well or not. Nebraska dominated them. One and of the one the, of the games that I I remember is 2019 Black Friday. You think you're going to get the Waldock walk off, right? Which felt really good predicting. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, oh crap! You guys did nothing. Now they have the ball, and Keith Duncan hits a field goal and yeah. blows kisses to the crowd. The other game that I thought of today's opponent, Michigan State, that 2018 oh, game, absolutely nine to six, a <laughs> little bit of snow. Uh, you, that was the happiest I think we've ever, we've seen Scott Frost in his time at Nebraska. Um, I uh, know he was pretty happy when Millie showed up on the uh, the Zoom la- last December. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, those are the two most memorable performances of Scott Frost's yes. tenure here in almost in, in three and a half years, whatever. Here, here's the and issue: they're both with that. losses. When you have more losses than wins, the losses are going to stand out more, especially right. if they're to quality opponents. Right. This. I guess I say all of that to say this game tonight, if it is a win, there's an opportunity that takes the mantle of the most memorable performance of Scott Frost's career, because then he stacked one performance against a top five team and then a good performance against a top 20 team at night on the road. Speaking of that at night on the road, top 20 team, I don't trust Nebraska yet enough to pick them to win. I'm going to go Michigan State 20, Nebraska 17. What say you? So I I gave my prediction yesterday, and and I say it with this. I I went 27-24, Nebraska. Okay. Here's my issue, though. I don't think either of these defenses are going to stop either of the offenses enough to keep both teams under 30. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game, but I'm in a predictions contest, and I'm trying to get some points out of it, (laughs) and everyone else went lower than me. Good for you. Hey, everybody's got their reasons. All right, 2 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock kickoff right here on KLIN. Stay safe, get your shot, wear a mask, and go Big Red.